0: Kimberly here. This is Macabish, cults, classics, and horrors. We're talking films, series, books, and life. And we're starting right now.
1: Speaking of names you don't recognize, I noticed Herbert West has joined us. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's me. Okay, well, that's great. That's uh, great.
0: Uh, let me introduce you. This is Christopher Thompson, one of your biggest fans.
1: Hey, Chris. The yeah, author.
0: Hello. Carlos will be with us in a while.
1: Well, in I'm gonna interview you guys. I figured this would be the best way to avoid <laughs> avoid those questions that I always get asked. I'll just ask you guys. Ah, oh, perfect. We're Are so you,
0: boring though. You but, uh, you got to write Hellraisers. Are you kidding? We yeah. just watch. We yeah. before <laughs> we. we sit
1: around judging. Well, no. Plainly, plainly, you both do much more than just watch. So, so that is great, and congratulations with all your endeavors and whatever. Where are you both, by the way? Where, where are we? I know you're in Central Time and you're in Eastern Time. Where, where I'm are in, we?
0: I'm in Texas, just outside of Austin.
2: Cool. Yeah, I'm in uh, Ontario, Canada, about an hour west of Toronto.
0: Ah, huh, nice. And Carlos is in Toronto
1: okay
2: yeah
1: he'll, he'll be. I, I was in i was in toronto a couple of times uh one, once for a i can't remember if it was world fantasy convention or world horror convention mm. and there's there's a fantastic library there the judith merrill library which yes is one of the, yeah right yeah it's great
2: yeah yeah and it's in um it's it's right around the university i believe yeah
1: yeah and it's it i think it's officially the biggest horror fantasy science fiction collection in public hands.
2: I think so. Yeah, it's yeah, it, great. Yeah, I was in it once and ugh, I could have spent days. In
1: there. Yeah, no, exactly. They organized it from the convention and one of the librarians sure. took us around on a tour. And you just sort of had to take it in at a wash. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like, well, wait a minute. I need to spend a day in each shelf. Right. it's um, Yeah. Yeah. It's fabulous.
2: Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of really, really nice first editions, and oh, it's beautiful in there. Yeah. What year were you up for, uh, for Fan Expo? or Whichever one you were up for, do you remember?
1: It was, I think it was World Horror, and I think it was 2007. Okay. I think. Okay, yeah.
2: That's after I stopped I mean, going to a lot of the conventions,
1: so that's oh, why I missed okay, it. Yeah. Was it World Horror? nearby again in 2010 because me and Glenn Hirschberg took the rolling darkness review up there and but we didn't go to Toronto you got to figure my Canadian geography is terrible because of mm. course I just get on a plane and get off at the other end <laughs> Right, <laughs> <laughs> so, wherever they drop
2: you is where they drop you
1: yeah uh, so N- Nipissing University is that Ottawa is it's, that yeah, in-
2: it's in the Ottawa area yes yes
1: but th- but both Toronto and Ottawa are in Ontario. Am Correct. I right? yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. So I was in, I was in the same territory then in two thousand. Yeah.
2: There's a, there's about a six hour distance between the two, but yeah. 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 Same area.
1: Have you ever been up to Nipissing University?
2: Um, I've never been to the university, but I have been up to the Ottawa area a number of times
1: okay yeah yeah because it's like it's it's right it's on the edge of the fucking world
2: yeah (laughs) it's like it really
1: is there is like oh this is it you know next stop antarctica or (laughs) something.
2: (laughs) if you go any further you're swimming
1: yeah yeah it was great it was great
2: and if you go um a little further east you're in quebec
1: oh is it oh okay
2: a little further east Well, an hour or two, but still, but an
1: hour. Okay, I thought it. I thought it was much further. Oh, it's Vancouver that's on top of California. Yes,
2: yeah, and that's
1: on the other side of the country. Yeah, Toronto is sort of yeah because we changed it. Detroit, change planes. Yes, yeah, so that'll bring in
2: through um, Windsor, which which is in Ontario. So yes,
1: yeah. I sound like I know a lot more about Canada than I actually
2: do. (laughs) You're a native.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and, and. Thank you for poutine. On behalf oh, of Canada, God. you
2: are most welcome.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, I, I'm, I'm infuriated that nobody told me about it in 2007. So I wasted that trip. Oh, <laughs> the second one in 2000, Glenn had been before, and he said, we got to go somewhere and get poutine. And, you know, there's um, Irish white lightning is called poutine. Uh, so when he okay. said protein I figured it was, uh, well, this is bootleg distilled liquor, <laughs> which, of course, I would be fully in favor of trying, too. Right. But um, no, it was even more delightful.
0: Surprise, but, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my
1: God, it was fantastic. Kimberly, do you know what it is if you haven't been to Canada? I do, you-
0: I do know what it is. It's one of my food things that I want to have next to beaver tail. <laughs> I have like a list.
2: I'm ready.
1: It, Beaver tail. Well, sadly, I'm vegetarian these days, so I guess I'll never really get to know
2: Yeah. Beaver Tail, it's actually a uh, it's a pastry. It's, it's, like it's a not donut. actually made from beaver tail. No, it's, yeah, it's like it's a donut. Not
1: made from actual beavers? No, no. it's like a big
2: flat donut. <laughs> it's like a giant donut. Oh god. Well you, we gotta go back uh, to Canada.
1: So <laughs> I, I was just gonna say another another <laughs> trip is called for. Okay.
2: Yeah, they're um just you need get a- them usually in the in the ottawa area there's a number of places that sell them
0: you need a full wow. f-
2: canadian food tour
1: yep sure <laughs> do, do they sell do, do they oh, i was gonna try and impress you by remembering the name of the chain what's the, what's the coffee shop it's somebody's name
2: Tim Hortons is the big yeah, one. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. We we stopped at several of those on the yeah. way. Yeah, but I didn't see any Beaver tails for sale. No,
2: they're um they're not available at all locations. They're they tend to be regional. They're usually more in the um in the Ottawa area.
1: Right. Okay. Well, well, Kimberly and I both have something to look forward to next time <laughs> we're in Canada.
2: So. Absolutely.
1: All right. And is this Carlos? It
2: looks like Carlos has made it. It is
3: Carlos. I am uh, sorry, sorry, I'm late, guys. I, uh, you're not late.
1: late. You're not <laughs> late. We've just been shooting the shit about poutine and, mm-hmm. uh, p- p-
2: p- p- <laughs> yes, <laughs> you missed out on the delicious part of the conversation.
3: Well, I had a poutine a couple hours ago, so- okay, oh, all so you're, all
1: of- you're
2: ahead of all of us then.
1: Uh, you know, I, I, I knew I shouldn't have, but there was a place. I'm in Los Angeles. I don't know if you guys know that. But, uh, and there's a place in the valley in Burbank which claims to sell poutine. And I avoided it for years because I thought it won't be. And then like an idiot, I yielded.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, it's not.
4: <laughs> no. It was sort of
1: like, like it looked like poutine. It was, it was fries with a kind of white sauce on them. Mm. Oh, weird. Bits yeah. of cheese that weren't really curds. It was, yeah. Just, yeah. I should have left alone. <laughs>
2: <early> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound pleasant. No. Right.
1: Well, I think. Well, when you describe poutine to people who haven't had it, I'm not sure it sounds pleasant either. But no. as soon as they taste it, uh, yeah, ooh, yeah. I mean,
3: uh, cheese and gravy. How can you say no to cheese? And yeah, gravy right. or anything. Right. <laughs>
0: And who doesn't like fried potatoes? It, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, this, this can be the food episode, right? We can just this talk is, about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea how amazing this is. I don't care what we talk about. This is great.
1: Yep.
3: <laughs> I I am honored to be talking to you,
1: man. It is a pleasure to talk to all of you. Thank you so much for the invite.
3: We're
0: really, really glad you're here and shocked that you accepted, and um, we know we're going to I'm
1: ask a you. cheap date. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm a pusher. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you, I mean, you ask so nicely, and it, it's, um, you know, it's. I mean, seriously, it's just, it's really nice. As you get older, it's really nice to be reminded that people who weren't born when you did shit still get a kick out of it. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, the least you can do is talk <laughs> to them.
0: Right. And, you know, there, we are losing so many people and the, the news lets us know every day. It's mm-hmm. depressing.
1: And I, well, I don't want to Try being the same age as them, Kimberly. It's well, a lot more I... fucking depressing when it's <laughs> we... like, wait a minute, he was 66? What the fuck?
0: <laughs> we just want to talk to all of you and just glean everything from just ev- just every bit of your life that we can. Because, like, <laughs> it's just not the movie. We're fans of every single person who's worked on them. Every single person, everything. We sit around dissecting it all. That's the level of nerd you're dealing with here. My kind of
1: people. My (laughs) kind of people. That's great.
0: Which is why we don't mind hearing the same thing over and over Uh again. Just the fact that you're here. We're just mind blown. (laughs)
1: So, it's, it, it's more like I've said before in, on interviews, and it's more that you can't quite believe I'm still alive. So, it's more, <laughs> no. it's more like a dog walking a tightrope. Like, it doesn't have to be good. No. It's like, my God, it's a miracle. Look,
0: we can't believe you're talking to us. Who are we?
2: You're right. That's no, we're that's... some
0: schmoes that buy movies and talk about
1: them well i i i know you all do more than that but but even if that was all you did that's great that's uh, that's our tribe baby that's our tribe
0: that's right okay. a lot of us we need you to get through life like you know it's hard out there come come home pop a movie in we're good Oh,
1: yeah. And no, we wanted- I mean, exactly exactly the same for me. It's like, oh, and probably, I mean, give, given how young you are, it probably, I was going to say, it was like I used to feel about Hammer movies, but it probably is exactly like that. The Hellraiser and Wishmaster movies are as old now as the <laughs> Hammer movies that I used to like. You know, when I was a teenager and in my 20s, the Hammer movies were, <laughs> they were only 30 years old as well, which seemed like, so they were ancient history mm-hmm. to me. None of you have to give your actual ages away, should you not wish to. But were you born <laughs> when when the movies came out? Or we're
2: older gone? than you think, sir. <laughs> but so, I was watching. Okay, yeah.
3: I was watching Hellraiser since it came out, so
2: <laughs> I right. had an early start. Okay, that's fair. You started when you were five, right? Yeah, pretty much.
1: Yeah, you know that was um, that was the big shock for me when. Uh, Because we have slightly different um, classification ratings boards. We have slightly different rules for the rating boards in the UK. And when I saw Hellbound here in a theatre, there were six-year-olds in the theatre with their parents. And I thought, (laughs) what the fuck is going on? Horror fans, there's no age. No, kids, I, oh, you know? I completely agree with that. Don't get me wrong. I just, I was used to, see, we used to have this, we had an X certificate when I was a kid, but mm. it had no implication. Like, you know, triple X here means porn or something. But the X just meant adults only. Like mm-hmm. most, right. most grown-up movies, uh, especially if there's like, you know, any sex or any violence would be Xs. And right. so only 18-year-olds could see them. Uh, which we were fine with, and I assumed an R was the same as that. And when, and I saw, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I'd seen the movie several times. But when, I, when I went to see it for the first time in an Honest to God theater with an Honest to God audience, it was like there were children in there because the R lets you take kids in. Mm. And I wanted to go up to him and say, "A guy is going to slash himself to pieces with an open <laughs> razor. Get the <laughs> fucking kid out of here." <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: My God, <laughs> and it, yeah. and like it must have been such a nightmare back then too. Like in the, especially in the UK with like the whole video nasty thing that was going on, right? Like it was a job to get a movie. To like get that. him yeah, yeah, sure. Whereas sure. like here, it was like. We All we had to do was go to the local video store and just have a, a clerk that didn't give a shit and it would just rent yeah, it right. to anybody. <laughs>
1: that's right, yeah. You thank God for weed-smoking slackers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they take what you want, dude. I'm busy. There you go.
2: Uh, the local weed-smoking slacker was how I watched all every Hellraiser movie right. before Part 3 and Nightmare on Elm Street movies, Friday the 3rd. Thir- it was the same same video store that's where i but got them
1: all that's great so your generation has the same sort of affection and no- nostalgic affection for video stores as i do for movie theaters i get i mean I'm, I'm sure you guys went and go to theaters as well but yes. you, but you really like the video generation mm-hmm. right yeah more, more yes. than, yeah yeah yeah
2: we there. were the we were the direct to video boom era right. in the late <laughs> 80s and through the 90s when there was so much. Um, of the direct-to-video content and a bulk of it was horror because mm-hmm. a lot of times horror sure. wouldn't get a big release it, it's not that there wasn't a following for it it's that a lot of times they would look at it and they, would, they wouldn't see horror as legitimate cinema right. so it wouldn't get a big promotion unless it was a big franchise like A Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th or something so yeah, a bulk of right. it came direct-to-video so sure. that was our market so the video store was like heaven every tuesday when new movies came out we were guaranteed three or four horror movies that had never right. been anywhere else
1: Right. sure sure
2: oh and they wouldn't have
0: many copies they would have the one yeah one and or we two would copies be like is it here
2: is it oh, here yeah, right. in the last three weeks it, it, it wasn't here yeah exactly who has it where is it
1: it's late right. go get it i want it do you have their address I'll, yeah. around. I'll go get it. <laughs> That's right is near it, my house. If, I'll go if grab it's it. due
0: today, I'll just hang around until they come. I'll, I'll,
1: yeah. I'll, I'll wait and freak them out when they walk in. <laughs>
2: I'll stand by your return Dropbox. Do you have it?
1: Where is it? Exactly. Yeah.
3: Well, like it, it's, and the difference of the generations too, it's like, it would have been a lot easier for our generations to get copies of these on video than it would have been like, I would have loved to have gone to the theaters and watched all of these but it was even the ones that were in the theaters, it was, it was harder to get in. Like, yeah, your parents could take you in if it was an R rated movie or you can sneak in if you bought a ticket for something sure, else, but sure. it was, it was more of a chore to do that, like on a more regular basis. Uh, whereas it was easier to go see horror, like hammer movies back in the sixties or seventies oh, or whatever. Right. So no,
1: exactly. I mean, I, it was fun. Listen, once the VHS boom happened, it was fantastic. I loved it. But um, the the only thing the only downside of it was that movies then became first run only because mm-hmm. when i was a kid and up to mm-hmm. include a teenager yeah. movies would regularly come back like i was still seeing shit made in the 50s they would put on cinemas not not like the big downtown uh, super theatres, but you'll, first of all, <laughs> this might be news here, but you, but you had local neighbourhood theatres. Mm-hmm. Every neighbourhood had a movie oh, theatre. Yeah, yeah. And the small local theatres would, sometimes they'd do a whole week of it, but always, some days, they would just do these weird, it wasn't like an official re-release or anything around the country, but they would just call the distributor and they'd get a couple of Hammer movies that you know, were first shown 10 years before and they'd screen them on Sunday. And so you could you could catch up. Like I I saw Shane, The Wizard of Oz, and Gone with the Wind in movie theaters. And even though I'm old, I'm not that fucking old. So <laughs> because local theaters just called distributors and got like single 35mm prints and ran them for a week, which was terrific not as terrific as having full access to everything as you say in the video store but it was kind of nice that you could go and see these things mm. oh absolutely you know, like i i, I
3: long yeah. for that i i wish we could have had that experience because it's like uh, when some rare movie like let's say ilsa's playing at the theater uh five years six <laughs> years after it came out it it's like an event when it comes, right? Because there's no sure. other way you're going to be able to see it. Like, you can't just go rent it or just watch it on TV or on Netflix or whatever. It's an event. It's like in two weeks from now, I get to see Ilsa, and then you go right. and see it, and then you have your experience. Whereas now, like, and even in the 80s, we were more spoiled. It's like we can watch it at our leisure, right? As long as we can get a copy.
1: Sure. I mean, She Wolf of the SS definitely came out on Laserdisc. Did it never get a DVD release? I think it came out on
3: DVD here. I still don't think we have Blu ray now, but. uh, Yeah, sure, sure.
1: Well, (laughs) it's not like it's the best looking movie in the world. (laughs) I really need a Blu ray.
2: (laughs) See, there's one, Carlos, that we don't need the 4K remaster of.
3: (laughs) I beg to differ.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it's weird. I mean, I I have no dog in this fight yet because I don't have 4K. So I, I have no personal opinion. But there's a backlash against 4K right now going on in social media, right? There's a lot of people. I think it's the road warrior. There's a whole bunch of people posting screen grabs from, you know, from. Oh, my God, that was my post. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs)
2: Yeah, that was his post.
1: Holy oh, well, crap! I've incensed so the internet. So maybe there's no fuss going on at all. It's just you. Uh. I'm sorry. I thought you were. Thought well, you, you know what? Right? If it has if
2: it's, if it's been spread around, then there's a fuss going on.
1: There you go. Yeah, I, I, every fuss has to start somewhere.
2: Uh. Yeah, it's it's an argument that Carlos and I have been having off and on for a few weeks. Anyway, I'm I'm very much against 4K remasters of older movies. He's very much for them.
1: Without getting too into the woods for your listeners, although I'm sure your listeners are as fascinated with this shit as we are. <laughs> um, I mean, remastering, of course, in principle, always sounds good. If you're remastering to pictorially match as best you can. the But the complaint seems to be that there's actually like recoloring and regrading yeah. going on. <laughs> That, yeah. that that same issue happened
3: with um, Pet Cemetery recently. They they remastered that for 4K. And yeah. in doing that, they re-timed the color to be more like <sighs> modern horror movies where it's got like more of a darker palette. Whereas in the 80s, when it came out, it had like a more blue palette, which matched the tone of that era. Sure. And so um, yeah, people that's... were pissed about that. Which rightfully so, obviously, you shouldn't be changing it. It's the same reason. The Star Wars people get freaked out every time George Lucas he wants shot to
4: first. Her with the movies, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, no that that's right. That's right. Now you agree. And it's weird, you know, when we certainly don't have to get into weeds about art versus commerce, but when when an art form is pretty dependent on business money as movie is. Um you you sort of understand the the other mindset of it's a product and the product needs to fit the marketplace to whom we are currently selling now obviously we don't agree with that because we're fucking nerds yeah. but I, I understand it like people would say well you're not going to go and re-varnish the Mona Lisa to make it look like a 20th century painting and of course you you wouldn't know would you need to because nobody's Corporate profits are tied in mm-hmm. to how the Mona Lisa is currently presented, Um True. whereas with the movies, I guess they figure it's a product. The old ones still exist. I don't know. I suddenly sound like I'm defending them, and I'm not. But um <laughs> but it's you know it's it's a well, tough call because well, they yeah the like I understand is, they need to make money right like, so. right and and the fear is that if it doesn't look like they're all they're constantly selling to theoretical nineteen-year-olds, um, and you know I used to be a nineteen-year-old. You guys used to be a nineteen-year-old, and we are the market because we're insane and voracious. <laughs> um, and their fear is that if they don't make it look like what nineteen-year-olds are used to seeing, that they'll take a di- they'll take a hit. I guess. On the other hand, fuck them. You know I I don't know I I don't care. <laughs> things well, things should look like the makers intended them to look Yeah, exactly, of
4: course.
3: exactly and and especially with 4k remasters because you you can digitally preserve them for future generations right because right. who knows what's going what can happen to the actual film prints like fires could happen they could degrade it whatever so oh shit
1: it, yeah no no yeah the digital storing uh, uh, yes of yeah. course um yeah, that I'm, oh, I'm no, fully oh, in
2: support oh, of and have no issues with.
1: Sure. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah, no, because all film will rot. I mean, it's, this is a horrible realization. Mm-hmm. I mean, they look after them the best they can. You know, the studios, use, well, still have, in most cases, they still have these big vaults, climate controlled. But celluloid is organic and it will decay. It won't decay like the silent movies decayed. Yeah. you know because th- uh they will blow up in your face yeah they were all uh, they were <laughs> well, silver nitrate both right. of them right right yeah. um but everything will eventually decay and the great thing about digital is yeah it can all be wiped out with an electromagnetic pulse but there's no generation loss just make another copy make another copy make another copy and things get saved
4: yeah. i guess yeah
1: as long as our future reptilian overlords have the right hardware <laughs> to play the software. Otherwise, we're screwed.
0: Well, usually our complaints about horror is the business getting in the way of the actual art. Sure.
4: Like, sure.
0: We're always, uh, yeah, well, not always, but sometimes very disappointed. And then we find out it was the business that ruined mm-hmm. the final product. And now we'll never get to see you what the artist meant for it to be
1: right. And yeah. then we'll
0: talk about it forever for no reason.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> because it heals our wounds briefly. It's That's true. Why I, yeah. Because, because we take comfort and I, I, I got to throw my usual caveat in here just at that point, because yes, everything you hear about the suits and the executives at film companies, it's all true. They are, Illiterate venal assholes. <laughs> but, but the people usually complaining about them are screenwriters or directors, occasionally actors, not so much. And I know a lot of screenwriters and directors. They're assholes too. It's like every tribe has terrible fucking people in it. So so it's yeah, you, you should you should reflexively assume. All executives are assholes. But for God's sake, don't assume that all screenwriters and directors are saints because they're not. <laughs> so many pricks. Um, and, and well, you know what? I, the proportion is probably about the same as in every other walk of life. Yeah. yeah. So just try, try and avoid the assholes and st- stick with the nice people.
2: Oh, for sure. I think we're doing pretty good so far yeah okay so i i really want to get to um get to a hellraiser question which you've probably heard a oh, yes. hundred thousand times before and <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm really really sorry it's like, oh, God, the <laughs> but hellraiser i really want to really ask i really 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 want to ask
1: <laughs> no ask ask away um, ask all the questions and I, okay just, so just don't say what's clive really like
2: no <laughs> no i i wasn't going to do that that was not and i wasn't gonna ask how doug is or any of that stuff
1: Although I'm saying how they are in the sense of their health, but it's, you know, what's he really like? Well, he's an asshole. (laughs) Joke, everybody listening, that's a joke, it's a joke, it's a joke. Uh, Yeah, sorry. I
2: I missed out on an opportunity, unfortunately, to actually meet Clive, and that's one of my worst memories of uh, Toronto Fan Expo, and it's one of the reasons why I stopped going, but that's beside the point.
1: (laughs) He's... You know his health has been bad, as you know. But yes, I mean, yes, he's yeah. he's he's doing them again. To the best of my knowledge, I mean, I I don't know about fan expo specifically, but he is making personal appearances again. Mm-hmm. At conventions, I think. So yeah,
2: I've seen a, a few videos that people have uh, have run and, and posted. He did a um, uh was he at a, a year, a couple of years ago? I think before COVID, so about three years. Yeah, ago, I guess. right. I
1: don't. I, I'm not sure if he's been back out since. Yeah, there What's was the, a
2: um, was it in? I can't remember if it was in the UK or if it was in the States somewhere, but there was a whole
1: don't um, think the UK Hellraiser. He, he um, lives out here as well. Oh, but, okay.
2: Um, so, yeah, so it must have been then there, but there was a whole Hellraiser, like, reunion, and it was him and... Um,
1: oh, yeah, I saw the footage. Of yeah, him all and of the, and the guys Nick who played and the Cinebites. Bobby and, and Simon, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly, and that, it looked really... It looked pretty cool sure yeah but i did i missed out on him but anyway that's (laughs) that's that's outside of my question (laughs) okay so first of all um hellraiser 3 was actually the first hellraiser movie that i ever saw and i did manage to actually get in to see that one in a theater in a very small little theater out this way um and then so i watched them backwards so i went three two one
1: that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, well,
2: that, that was the order in which I could find them. I'd seen three sure, in the theater. Sure. The, vid- the local video store only had Hellraiser 2. And so I had to go to another video store to find the first one. Right. <laughs> um, oh, but, that, so, it,
1: but it's interesting sorry. just because, so in a way, you they were becoming more intimate. Yes. You saw, mm, you saw like the the Big Hollywood version, yeah. Yeah. Then you saw the expansive Some Landscape of Hell version, and then you went back to Chekhov with Gore, yeah. The uh, the first movie,
2: yeah, to the real, to the tight, intimate, yeah, of the first one. So I did, yeah, so I I saw them in reverse, which was an interesting way to see them. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then of course, I, I did, I saw four when it came out in theaters, even though like I had known a lot of the that had gone on with the production of number four sure, sure. um i remember seeing an interview with you in a magazine where you had somebody had asked um if you had uh, were coming back to do a fifth one at which point you had said dimension hadn't asked so the assumption obviously being now no that's not going to happen right but what i want to know is did you have any kind of Overarching plan had you been able to return to do further sequels in the franchise? And what um, might they have if there was one? Well,
1: interestingly, I, don't, I know this is a disappointing answer. No, because, but the, the reason is um, again, I, I know I'm talking to uh, my fellow nerd tribe members, hardcore people who, who know the ins and outs. So, Clive hadn't been involved with Hellraiser 3 because he couldn't come to financial terms with Larry Uh Coppin. Larry Coppin then passed them rights on to Miramax, who wanted Clive's name back on the picture. So so Hellraiser 4, as as it was going to be called, um, was um, the first time Clive and I had come up with the basic concept together since Hellbound. Um, And both of us, we just assumed this was it. It was like, first of all, although there was the example of, of the nightmare movies, and I guess the Friday the third, I can't remember what numbers these other franchises were up to, but to movies, you know, other than James Bond. Um, we weren't used to like these long franchises. We were, we were surprised <laughs> uh, that they let us make a third one. Um, and we assumed that the fourth one, We assumed we'd wrapped it up. I assumed I'd wrapped it up Mm -hmm. um, with Hellraiser 3. And then when Miramar said we want to do four, we were really... This is Clive and I I'm talking about. It was like, well, shit. What do we do now? Um, So we conceived it as a kind of book-ending framing for the trilogy, um, both prequel and sequel, to the movies that had been made. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, again, I, I apologize to people who are listening to this who have heard me talk before. I'll make it as quick as I can. Um, Clive said, well, let's do three time periods, um, and it was going to be the present and pinhead in space. But his, um, <laughs> the first time period in his head, he said, let's do a Jack the Ripper riff. Let's do Victorian London. And um, I said, I love, I love the three time periods. I love the wraparound. But do you not remember, Clive, that in your story, The Hellbound Heart, you mentioned a toy maker called Le Marchand? Why don't we forget Victorian London? Why don't we start in pre-revolutionary France and tell the story of the toy maker? And then, like, the bloodline. And he said, that's the title, Bloodline. See, Clive was already thinking like an executive.
3: <laughs> that's the title. whole yeah, yeah. business
1: affair. <laughs> um, so... So it was conceived as that. And I just, I went in and saw Bob Weinstein and I, we didn't really have a story. I, I literally just pitched him that. I said, it's, it's a framing device for the existing movies. It's both prequel and sequel, telling the story of the makers of the box and it will wrap up with the complete end of Pinhead and the Bites, and we're done. And they said, great. Uh, and in fact, Bob and Miramax, were fabulous to us all through development. They only turned into monsters when we actually made the movie, but that's a separate story. But um, to get back to your question, Chris, so I I genuinely thought my job here was to wrap the thing up, um, was to deliver hopefully a satisfying prequel and sequel melange that would... um, were just like, you know, tie a little bow on, on the Hellraiser movies. And although, you know, I always understood <laughs> that as we talked about earlier, business is business. Mm-hmm. And I assumed there was, you know, maybe a possibility that people might want to do more. But aesthetically, um, I was I was sort of emotionally and aesthetically done with it. And then the production nightmares happened. And by the end of it, Miramax fucking hated me and I fucking hated Miramax. <laughs> so, so, leaving aside highfalutin terms like aesthetically and artistically, I was done. It was also like they are never going to hire me again. Yeah. And, and if they did, I wouldn't fucking work for them. So, yeah. so no. <laughs> so, I, I've only revisited the Hellraiser mythos. Um, one and a half times since then i I did a comic book actually i guess the comic book story was before hellraiser 4 so that wasn't subsequent but i did do a story for an anthology a prose fiction anthology that our friends paul kane and maria reagan Mm -hmm. put together called hellbound hearts which were just you know stories set in within the hellraiser mythos so i wrote not really a hellraiser story but a kind of nod and wink at the hellraiser stories called prisoners of the inferno Mm. which was in so that was that's been my only my only revisit oh and just just for the 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 scholars and the nerds out there the reason i call the story prisoners of the inferno is that my preferred one sheet for hellraiser (laughs) 2 is the italian one sheet because the credits are printed in white, so you can read my fucking name. <laughs> on, the, on the American one sheet, it's blue on blue, so it's like, uh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is my first picture, and I can't I can't even see my... But anyway, the it's... it's and, you know, <laughs> really? Italian's sense of style. It's a good-looking yeah. poster, very nicely designed. And the Italian subtitle is Prisoneri dell'Inferno, which translates as Prisoners of the Inferno. Oh um, I didn't know that. Yeah, see, little little trivia a, yeah. trivia thing for you there. <laughs> Just
2: when I thought I knew everything about Hellraiser, now there's oh, a little yeah. tidbit of
1: information. <laughs> uh, so 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 now I didn't really think about other other Hellraiser stories. And um and to be honest, until he did the Scarlet Gospels, I don't think Clive did either. You know, mm-hmm. it was um it was it was it was something beautiful but something done you know and of course clive <laughs> um clive who has never been backward in coming forward um made it very clear when he wasn't happy with <laughs> with the, with the later sequels <laughs> <laughs> so oh yes yeah he got into an online none of us knew who scott Derrickson was then of course um he's obviously now he's an a list director doing the doctor strange movies and other stuff but um one of my first sort of online experiences, because I was a late adopter, was uh, watching Clive and Scott Derrickson badmouth each other. Uh, This is all like, (laughs) I don't know if it's pre-Facebook, but it was certainly pre-Twitter. So I think the war was conducted on message boards, if you guys even remember what message boards are. (laughs) Um, So, you know, Clive was um, not reticent in his uh, opinion of of some of the latest, but well, I don't know, you know, maybe he liked some of them. My feeling was my mate dog from my hometown was getting a paycheck to do these things. So I'm in favor of all the sequels, even though I haven't watched them.
3: Well, thank you for mentioning hey. that too, because I mean, like uh, when bloodline came out, I was fucking obsessed with that movie. And like, and it was my, one of my favorites for a long time, uh, for oh, years. And hmm. I found it exactly like you said, a perfect bookend to the series. I was like, Hellraiser's done, they wrapped it up beautifully. I I was amazed. And then when Inferno was coming out, I the internet wasn't what it is today, so I didn't have much news on it outside of Vagoria. Right. Uh, and when I saw it, when I saw it on the shelf, I'm like, what the fuck? Hellraiser five. How is this even possible? How
4: is this <laughs> <possible>? <laughs>
1: Like I say, I'm sure, actually, I mean, given Scott Derrickson's visual skills, I'm sure Inferno must be a good looking movie, if if nothing else. Although, I mean, not that he had a, I mean, it was a, it was direct to video, low budget. So it's not like he had a big budget to play with, but, you know, he's got an eye. So it probably looked good. Yeah, it it, did.
3: It's fairly
1: decent, actually. Yeah, visually,
2: it is. It's a, it's a very well made, well structured movie visually. And I mean, it's also, What's really neat is it's it Craig Sheffer, of course, is in it, which kind of yeah. almost makes it like a night breed Hellraiser sort of crossover. Right, right. If you you know, you stretch your imagination a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got Boone in a Hellraiser movie.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, that was that was my last visit to a Hellraiser set, I think, because um because I think Doug filmed the other ones not in town. Am I right that like uh, Romania, six, seven, I think, is eight... where they
2: filmed the the later ones.
1: Yeah, a lot of them
2: got shot in Romania and then he wasn't on for everything after the eighth one
1: for the last two. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yes. So. um, So I went down to visit Seth, um, which I would have done anyway, just say hi to Doug. But um, but also, yeah, I I hadn't seen Craig since uh, we did Nightbreed, what, four, five years earlier. What year was Inferno?
2: uh 90, About 2000 yeah it was, was late it 90s really? early 2000 yeah oh god was it wasn't as late as 2000 it might have been because there was a large gap between when um bloodline came out and when inferno finally dropped
1: right Yeah. bloodline is 96 i get wishmaster and bloodline bloodline was 96 and wishmaster was 97 is that, yeah. is that right i yeah. think yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so there was that much of a gap. Oh, well, Jesus. So, yeah, so it was nearly a decade then since I saw Craig when we were doing Nightbreed at Pinewood, yeah?
3: Were you ever uh, cheesed that they never brought Barbie back for any of the sequels?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because, like, you know, well, as I say, I mean, I'm not kidding. Uh, I mean, Miramax would not have phoned me. so, although perhaps they wouldn't have put it together if they just thought, "Let's find the guy who played Barbie and bring him back," and then, <laughs> yeah. much to their surprise, they'd learn it was me. Um, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, if if somebody had had the bright idea of uh, of doing that, I I probably would have been more likely to say yes to that than to the idea of writing one. Yeah, okay. that might have been fun. Also, I've made this joke before, but I will make it again. Sadly. They would save money because I no longer need the fat suit. I have grown <laughs> to be I've grown to be the same size that oh. they pretended I was when I was Barbie. So
0: we appreciate the authenticity.
1: Yeah, there you go. I've, I've been building to this. I, I should call them now and say, I've finally achieved Barbie fighting yep. ways. Just get the barbed wire and the flame and I'm, <laughs> yeah.
2: bring me back for hellraiser 11 i'm ready now
3: (laughs) and for wishmaster like um did you have a grand scheme for that one like were you planning on like a long long series going forward with that uh no
1: definitely not because (laughs) um, unlike some gloriously optimistic fellows or or fellow um I just assume you're just lucky if you get one of the buggers made, yeah. you know. So, um, I well, I'm I'm sort of lying for humorous effect in the sense that um, Bob and I, but Bob Kurtzman, who directed it, and I, we we talked a little about an idea for a sequel, and we thought that if they were going to do one, they would come to us. Um, you know because i created the franchise and bob got every horror movie living to be in it so um you know <laughs> we figured they should have owed us but um they did not so <laughs> so we uh we didn't but you know it wasn't it wasn't like we were you know praying and wishing and hoping that that would happen. Um, So no, Wishmaster was written just as as, as a one-off. And again, I've I've said this before, and I I should be clear that I can't claim, I can't really claim that I was as conscious of what I'm about to say as it sounds, as I make it sound. Um, But I think subconsciously I probably was, and I think we all were. It was a kind of farewell kiss, to um, to monster character horror movies because you know the new waves were happening. Scream yeah. had already happened. Yeah. Blair Witch was about to happen. Torture porn was on its way. Um, so the Freddy, Jason, Leatherface, Pinhead, um, Michael Myers, uh, I, that school was was taking a recess you know everything had come back everything is cyclical but um so you know perhaps not as consciously as as i imply but unconsciously at least there was a sense of well here's one last character monster um movie for us to enjoy and here's everybody from all the other ones (laughs) like a sort of it was like a rap party it was like a
4: graduation graduation party party. yeah 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 Yeah.
1: like i stuck around to graduate (laughs) um yeah but it was it was uh there was a sense of that that it was it was like a little grand slam um one-off and again don't don't get me wrong we're all whores if if they had called me and bob and said would you like to be paid to do wishmaster 2 we we probably would have said yes but um but they didn't. So, but we had, but we had a party with uh, Robert England and Kane Harder mm-hmm. and Tony Todd and Reggie Bannister and Angus Scrim doing the voiceover for us at the beginning. Oh, I'm missing people out now. Now I'm going to stop there. Uh, and everybody else. <laughs> that was Angus
2: Scrim who did the voiceover. Holy crap! Sorry, I didn't even know that.
1: Oh yeah. I feel so oh, bad that- now. That was, even the, know that. that was the cherry on the cake for me because obviously that wasn't um obviously the voiceover was written. I'd, I'd written it as the first page of the script obviously but we didn't film it because it was a voiceover mm. so the movie was in the can Um, and we just needed that narration so I'd already had the thrill of hee hee Freddy saying my dialogue. <laughs> oh my god Jason <laughs> saying my dialogue <laughs> and then, they call me from live and say, we've got Angus Scrim to do the voice. It's like, boom, the dance <laughs> card is full. We got the tall man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so it was great, you know, but, um, but, it and, you know, it was really annoying that in no way did I churlishly refuse to go. It was just like, whatever it was, I think, something else was, anyway, I didn't meet Angus, which I regret to this mm. day, because he just, I'm trying to think the, um we shot it up in Chatsworth, but I think he did his voiceover much more locally to me, and I could have gone down to sit with Bob while uh, Angus did the recording, and I can't, Yeah, life got it was just like for some reason I did. It wasn't a big deal, you know. It wasn't like I stood him up or he doesn't know the hell I am. Uh, But uh, but I wish now that I had gone and been able to shake the tall man's hand. You know that would have been that would have been great.
3: And you mentioned that being the end of the uh, the movie uh, monsters as a marquee, uh, which which kind of sucks. But we are getting back to resurrecting most of them. Uh, yeah, even, right. they're even talking about Jason coming back for a new big one and yeah. that's one of the main ones that they haven't touched in like uh, two decades now and it's like I wish they would bring the djinn back like that is such a cool monster character it's like let's let's have a reboot or re requel or whatever and like let's get that guy back
1: but did you not see Wonder Woman 84 because that was ba- <laughs> that was basically <laughs> a remake of this show, wasn't it Oh, yeah, yes. I I mean, (laughs) thank you for saying that. And it allows me to, I I should have said, what was terrific about Wishmaster is that we got Andy, um, who, you know, obviously Mm. had not been a horror movie guy. I I should bite my tongue. For all I know, he'd done small parts in other horror movies. I I don't think so, though. Um, But he was terrific. And, you know, he really. Held his own. Uh I mean, not that Robert was playing Freddie, not that Kane was playing Jason, not that Tony was playing Candyman, but um but he's held his own with those actors. Mm-hmm. And oh, uh and it was great. So it was like, yeah, we did um we lucked out in in getting a guy who could um Live up to yeah. to those people, as as I've said before as well. I'm so stupid that I didn't talk Doug into flying out to do a day's work, mm. because the one guy we don't have in there mm. is my guy. well, you know, Clive's <laughs> guy, but you know, yeah, my adopted my adopted son, Pinhead. <laughs> we <laughs> we didn't get him in. I, I would have bought him a plane ticket myself if I thought about it.
2: <laughs> Andrew Divoff, either he, he either way he.
1: Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: I'm uh, sorry. He he made that role, like he made that character a menacing character.
1: And oh, sure. Yeah, it was a character that
2: could just as easily have been played for laughs.
3: Sure. Absolutely. Like yeah. I mean, like like they they continued with the four movies to diminishing returns, of course. But uh, like even the second one doesn't come as close in quality to the first one. But Andrew being in it just mm-hmm. raises it sure, makes it fun sure. still yeah. and then by the time you get to the third and fourth it's not there and it's just um yeah what am i watching anymore right <laughs> like, yeah.
2: right was it even the same guy in three and in four like i, I think they switched actors between movies yeah, I think
1: they I, I, i'm not sure that's because i i, get, I sound terrible I, I haven't seen them either <laughs> but, um, You're honestly but I not missing much. I'm pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure they filmed them back to back, which which would suggest they did use. I believe. Oh, the reason it's lodged in my head, the difference was Andy played Demarest in human form and wore the suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in three and four, I, I I apologize to the actor if I get his name wrong. I think his name is John Novak. Uh, yeah, is the guy right. in, the, in the suit. But weirdly, isn't it Sean Connery's son who plays the human form? It's <laughs> definitely not the same guy. I know it's John Novak in the suit. I think it's Jason Connery. I think it's Sean Connery's son.
2: Uh, Jason Connery was. He was not it as who? Professor something.
1: Yeah, because I, I don't think it's Nathaniel Demarest. I think it's a different human form, but mm-hmm. I think he's, he's the guy that becomes yeah the professor
2: joel barash which i think you're right i think that's, that's a ridiculous
1: name they had nathaniel <laughs> Demarest sitting right there nathaniel <laughs> Demarest. even more ridiculous
2: yeah and yes john novak was the was the gen
1: there you go there you go so yeah um, yes and they did shoot them back to back so it would be very odd if it, if it hadn't been the same same people yeah it's unfortunate that
3: they couldn't I brought uh andrew back because
1: he
4: would
3: he let he raises those movies up sure sure
1: well yeah i mean all good actors do i mean that that's the thing if um I, i've been very lucky to have Doug speak my life i mean also all, all the actors that play human characters as well I mean, <laughs> but we're specifically talking about actors who were willing to put makeup on you know big three hours in the chair monster makeup on um and sometimes uh you don't get a high caliber of actor because often a high caliber actor will think i'm not sitting in a fucking makeup chair for three hours so you sometimes get people who aren't great in in the makeup but um all the people we all Already mentioned, obviously, the icons of the 80s were fantastic. And I was extremely lucky to have Doug and then Andy um, to deliver those lines because you can write fancy schmancy or funny dialogue till the cars come home. If the guy selling it, the guy or girl selling it, doesn't sell it, they, then it just sounds ridiculous. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and both. Sure. Both Doug and Andy have, and it's really thread in a needle um, because what you don't want is is, is ridiculous bombast or pomposity. Um, You you know, like, uh, I'm going to pretend it's King Lear. Um, (laughs) But you also don't want somebody sneering at the material or thinking it's silly. And both Andy and Doug And and Robert and Tony, you know, um, but I'm talking about people I've had the experience of. In other words, I know how bad those lines are because I wrote them. So um, (laughs) so I have direct experience of seeing them saved by, as I say, it's, it's a real needle thread job because it's like you don't want to be like some bad Shakespearean asshole and you don't want to be glib or sneery. But they both bring... Uh, along with a certain degree of self-aware, not humor, but um, a sort of willingness that they know we are, what, what should we say? We're making opera here, not mm-hmm. kitchen sink drama. You know, so right. so they know you've got to play it big. It's stylized. It's uh, it's baroque. It's operatic. Um, but they, but they, both of them. Rooted with a sort of gravitas as well and you know that that's a that's a rare talent even in good actors um True. so yeah so full tribute to to doug bradley and andrew devoff in case you joined us late um <laughs> but yeah yeah they uh they're great especially guys like... both of
2: you is listening <laughs> we love especially. you come on the show
1: Yeah, well, if if they if they call me and ask if you guys are all right, I will give them the thumbs up. I promise. Nice,
2: nice. excellent.
1: By the way, they never listen to podcasts. But if they do, I will.
2: On the off chance that they do one day.
1: Sure.
0: (laughs) I'm not convinced anyone does. Somebody is. I don't know anybody who listens to podcasts. I got to be honest.
1: (laughs) No, yeah, people do. People do, but um. You know, some of it is generational because I this is gonna sound terrible because I don't think you guys put yours up on YouTube, but for people my age, it's easier when they're on YouTube because it's just like I can play it on my television. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I don't I don't have to work magic with my iPhone and put my earbuds in and walk around. Um, but I think anybody under the age of 97. Does does listen to podcasts? Podcasts are huge, aren't they? It's just the great thing about it's it's like with books and movies now and records. We can all make them. The democratization of technology allows everybody to do everything, which is great. But the downside of it is that it's splintered into a thousand audiences, and sort of everything is niche, and it, it's difficult sometimes to uh, to grat. <laughs> it, it makes it makes you want to go back to there was only three networks. So you get (laughs) 20 million people watching. Um, But, you know, I think, I think the, the, the pluses definitely outweigh the minuses and the fact that, you know, guys like you you, you can make the podcast and there it is. And it's, it's in exactly the same medium and with potentially the same reach as a podcast made by CBS. You know, it's just, it's just there. It's It's like, it's like when you use the new, print-on-demand technologies or whatever to make books it's like it used to be back in the dim medieval days of the 1970s um that like there were real books um but now if you're virtually browsing on amazon it doesn't matter if something's published by harper collins or by your mate in the flat next door there it is with a good looking cover Write online, on Amazon. A book is a book and you just buy it. So it's fantastic that these things can get to people. But as I said, but, but the disadvantage is um, you can sometimes get micro audiences. Uh, like uh, my friend, the uh, the great ghost story writer, Glenn Hirschberg, he and I used to do this live show every year, the Rolling Darkness Review. And um, when lockdown happened, we thought let's start a YouTube channel and we'll we'll put readings of our stories up on YouTube. And we very enthusiastically did it for a couple of months. And then, and I'm a sucker, you know, I, I would just keep doing it for the pleasure principle. Anyway, Glenn was more pragmatic. And after two months, he said, we've got 14 people looking at these things, <laughs> which was true. You know, it's like, you look, you go to YouTube and it's like, number of views, seven, number of views, 14, I think one of them got in you know, oh my god, thirty one people watch this one. but um, <laughs> yeah, it is it's uh, it can be disheartening, but we must press on, assuming that one day mm-hmm. our genius will be recognized, and uh, people will uh, will appreciate it more.
0: so, uh, nice. what's this uh, YouTube channel name? what's What's it called?
1: Oh, it's it's called the Rolling Darkness Review. Oh yeah, please subscribe. We've only got thirty three subscribers. Make it look good. (laughs) I you are under no obligation to watch any of them. Just just subscribe. (laughs) Just just subscribe, please. Just so the numbers look better. Come on. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just the Rolling Darkness Review was was a much more elaborate show when we did the live show. Um, th- this is just story readings. It's just me reading my shit to camera and Glenn reading his shit to camera in our respective lockdown homes. But, yeah, it's, it's great that people can have, you know, their own YouTube channels, their own podcasts. It's fantastic. It so the, the, the pluses of the democratization definitely outweigh the minuses. But,
0: uh... I agree. And eventually I am going to actually put ours on YouTube. I just haven't
3: done it yet. I
1: just life gets in the way. It's I understand. true Sure.
3: Also, then I have to show my ugly mug. Well, yeah, there's that I'll just too. put the oh, audio yeah, the thing on. Is, with oh, the do, don't
1: get me wrong. I'm not saying that I, when I say I'm, I'm literally talking as an old man on his couch. This is this, what I mean by it's on YouTube. I can just watch it on my TV. It doesn't have to be visual. Right. People, there are yeah. podcasts that go up. But, you know, you've got this great graphic, the macabre-ish podcast graphic. So you just slap that up. You don't have to include right. your no doubt beautiful faces. But, <laughs> you could. but right. um, no, I'm perfectly happy to, quote Marks, watch an audio-only uh, podcast. As I say, it's just the convenience of it being on YouTube, mm-hmm. which That's I think only, only applies to people in the home in this retirement community
3: (laughs) it's interesting that you say that because i um i was thinking of starting youtube uh channels and stuff and i've always gotten the advice that it's not like youtube is not as popular anymore as it used to be because with podcasts people can just listen to it on their commutes and stuff like that but it's like in the last couple of years, that's all I ever hear about is people talking about the YouTube channels. So how true is that?
1: Yeah, well, I think, if, I, I think well, first of all, it, absolutely in no way giving you guys advice. You clearly know what you're doing. But my, for what it's worth, philosophy on this is whatever medium you can deliver your shit in, deliver your shit. So, you know, if by all means make sure the 22-year-olds are listening to it on their iPhone with their earbuds but um you probably you'll probably get a lot more <laughs> you'll probably get a lot more 65-year-old eyes and ears on your show on YouTube because I think it depends but if it's if it's an easy thing to do it's like saying we'll only put the album out on vinyl because we're purists right Fuck that. Put it out on vinyl Mm. and put it out on cassette and put it out on DVD. That's right. So, yeah. So I I would encourage you to do that without in any way putting any pressure on you. (laughs) But if I don't see a YouTube channel going up in the next three months, you'll be hearing from me. (laughs) (laughs) This is the number one place for macabre cults, classics,
0: and horrors. For synopsis, reviews, and news, go to macabre.com. Thank you for
4: listening. Signing out. Until the next one.